You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. With me today is Chris Freund, co-head of SA Equity and Multi-Asset. And Chris, there's a couple of things I want to focus on. We mustn't get political because that's not our mandate to do so. But obviously, you can't Mm -hmm. ignore what's going on. In general terms, before we get to the nitty gritty of the podcast, what do you make of the situation that confronts you every morning when you sit at your desk and look at your screen? With you, so so normally the rule of thumb in asset management or in investment management is to, as far as possible, ignore sort of political events. Yes, because they, you know, they have been shown too many times in your career to sort of have uh, a short-term, usually negative impact when there's a war somewhere or something like that, and and one overreacts, share prices fall. And one overreacts, and before you know it, a month later, they are back to where they were. And you think, well, should have, I should have sat on my thumbs and done nothing or bought at the bottom. So that's your starting point. But this one looks – I guess it could turn out that way, but it looks a little bit more serious than that. Um, having said that, already the market has recovered about half the, the heavy downdraft um, that it suffered. Uh, this is the global market I'm talking about, not SA markets. Um, heavy downdraft when the sort of invasion in the first couple of days of the war happened. So already the markets have stuck by the original playbook to a degree. And, you know, what we in the markets are trying to do is assess assess the new uncertainty that's been inserted by this war on, on growth and inflation. Because that's really the things that matter in investment markets, growth and interest rates, and inflation is the driver of interest rates. So how badly has growth been knocked off kilter by in Europe and, and, and in other countries? And how badly has this, has this inflation problem added fuel to the already the existing inflation problem we had two months ago? And... Um, yeah, the markets, I think, are fairly sanguine about at this stage, Lindsay. They, they, they're assuming that that growth is going to be lower but still grow. And, and that probably is going to be the case because if ever there was going to be a war, by the way, this was a very good time to have one. And what I mean by that is 2022 would have been a very strong economic growth year for the whole world because we were coming out of COVID. And the base was so weak, and activity act, uh, indicators were picking up everywhere. So, so it is a good thing that we're sort of having this growth shock, you know, with a very favourable background. On the other hand, the inflation bit, I'm not so sure about, and we should probably, you know, talk a bit more about that. So, so those think, are some opening comments. I think we should, yes, because obviously that word became so infamous last year of transitory mm. inflation has been proved to be spectacularly wrong. But we'll come to that in a second. But let's get mm. to, to sure. South Africa first, because you're the co-head of SA Equity and Multi-Asset. And... The National Treasury's decision to increase foreign investment limits to 45%. Mm. I mean, in many people's eyes, that was almost as seismic as a war on the fringes of Europe. When you sat down after that announcement, you and your team at 91 Mm. in Cape Town, did you say to yourself, okay, immediately we increase our limits to 45% or were you slightly more circumspect? Please tell me. Well, first of all, it took us by surprise as well. Okay, so you and me both were surprised by that. But to answer your question, 
the previous limit, as you know, was 30% yes. uh, for, for, for retirement funds. And we didn't already have our clients at the previous maximum limit of 30%. So it would have been a bit weird for us then um, because they increased it to 45, immediately sort of want to take a lot of money offshore because we should have been at the previous limit already if that was our view. So, so no, we're not about to rush offshore. Um, I must tell you, in global terms, 45% is, is, is a very good number. To there, there are many countries around the world, many, many developed world uh, countries that, that, that only allow their pension funds to invest uh, less than 45% globally. Okay? So this is quite a liberal framework, if I could say, that the South African uh, policymakers have adopted. We will probably in time, like much of the rest of the South African asset management industry, use more of the sort of leeway that's that's been recently granted to us. But only if we think it's sort of the right thing to do. Over time, we did some previous work many years ago on this, and we thought that on a risk-return trade-off basis, about 35%, somewhere around 35%, is the rough optimal amount of your portfolio to have offshore. So we will take it up over time to get somewhere close to that or slightly more. Secondly, as you know, we can access all sorts of industries and sectors offshore that we can't access here, which is an obvious reason to sort of invest more offshore. And so we'll do it. But we'll only do it tactically when we think that we start to get anxious about the RAND. And right now, we're not particularly anxious about the RAND. In fact, I think the RAND's strength is confusing a hell of a lot of people <laughs> at the moment. Well, you laugh. Do you share that view? No, I'm not confused by it at all. The South African RAND, in my view, as a, as a hack, as a broadcaster and not an investment mm-hmm. professional like yourself, the RAND is a commodity currency. And look at the commodity index. It's at multi, multi-year highs. So I'm not surprised by it at all. And it, the, the, the point about the RAND is, I think, and you're very well aware of this, is it can turn on a ticky, as you say, in South Africa. And it can turn on a sixpence, as they say, in the United Kingdom. And can you, you must, I think everyone must be aware of that. And just when you're getting sure. really bullish, it goes from 1450 to 1650. No, that, that is true. But but everyone in this country is so bearish about the RAND that I think that's, in fact, a gap uh, in the sense that, you know, the ARB is, in fact, to go the other way when you think the RAND has got tailwinds, which a lot of people think it's never got any tailwinds. And as you say, right now, it's got a massive tailwind of what they call this fancy phrase called the terms of trade, which basically means the the price of the stuff you export relative to the price of the stuff you import. And we export PGM group metals and gold on balance and a bit of iron ore and coal, and we import oil. And the, the price of the former is, is, is a lot higher than even though oil price has gone up, uh, we're still doing very well, thank you, as a country. So you're 100% right. That's why our current account is a, is, is a surplus these days and has been for a few years. So that's the one reason why I think the RAND's going to behave. But if all of a sudden, by the way, the war ends in Ukraine, which is not our base case that tomorrow, you know, they, they sort of cease fire. But it's, it's not impossible in the next month or three that they come to the sort of negotiating table. Then there's a chance that risk assets generally catch a lift. The second part of the, of the sort of ceasefire lift, we already had a bit of it, strangely enough, uh, about a week ago. And what is a risk asset? 
emerging market currencies are a risk asset. So all EM currencies will do well if there's a ceasefire announced, and so will the RAND. So on both those bases, we, we're not massively anxious about the RAND at all. Where, where we will start to get anxious about the RAND, at some stage, we in the markets are going to start to worry about a growth slowdown because the U.S. is putting up rates by 25 basis points every meeting for the rest of this year, according to the market forecasts. And at some stage, whether it's 2023 or the first half of 2024, people are going to say, mm, I think growth is going to slow down soon. And slower growth is not good for emerging markets and not good for the RAND. So we've probably got another one, two, three, I don't know, four quarters before we have to worry too much. But within the next two years, there's, there is going to be a growth scare, global growth scare. And when that happens, going back to where we started recently, yes. then the RAND takes a hit. Okay, well, let's make hay while the sun shines. Uh, the other reason that RAND is probably strong is because of the reason that you sort of sketched out without being specific. You said when it came to the 45% from the 30% pension fund availability to invest yeah. overseas, you said in time, over time, and tactically. So nobody suddenly said, right, let's go from 30% to 45%, get everything out that we can. They didn't. And no. one of the reasons they didn't is because of SA equity. Please tell me what you like SA equity-wise mm. in your strategy. SA shares in the last, this year, I think, have done much better than global shares in any currency you care to draw them in. So it's quite interesting. On the one hand, the sort of resource orientation of our market, given what you've just been saying, has obviously done well with all the platinum shares and the Gold shares have done well, the gold price going up, and, and all the mining shares of the, with iron ore and the coal price, etc. So, so that's pretty understandable. Sassel's done well. But what's also done well is the more domestically orientated shares, the sort of banks and retailers largely. And you and I have been – I've said to you for quite a while, I like the look of the sort of SA-orientated shares. And, and I'm not alone. There's quite a lot of SA fund managers have – had the same view and have got the trade right recently. So, so I'm not saying we've got the holy grail, just that we've had a proper bunch of these shares. And, and essentially what's happened is that as the companies have been reporting, I've listened to all the chief executives of all four major banks in the last month, and they've essentially all said things are less bad than we expected. And actually, there's a bit of without getting overly excited about it, there's a little bit of momentum starting to build in their sales or their in banks' advances growth, their lending growth, etc., And they're not shouting from the rooftop saying that you know, it's really hot and really strong. They're just saying it's not so bad and it's getting slightly better. And these shares were forecasting or sort of anticipating, uh, discounting a worse environment than that. And so they've done well-ish already. They also have – they're also not particularly expensive. The big banks are on forward – Price earnings ratios of about seven and a half to eight and a half this time next year, even after they've gone up quite a bit, and forward dividend yields of somewhere around seven percent. And that's not too frightening. So we've got those in our portfolio. We've got we're introducing a bit of defense, slightly less offense, a little bit of defense into the portfolios, and we've still got uh, the, the mining shares. So our clients are quite happy at the moment. I'm sure they are, but you've got to keep on your toes, obviously. What keeps you awake at night? Yeah, so China used to worry me. Uh, it still does a little bit because 
because, you know, they've had property growing gangbusters for 20 years. It's been sort of the, the primary driver behind the economic growth for many years. And, and that movie's over. And they're having to transition that economy away from pure property growth into sort of other consumer and services-led growth. So, so it was looking pretty scary six months ago, but then the Chinese policymakers got the memo as well, and they're starting to sort of rush to the sort of aid. And, and I think they're going to bumble along. So that's in the background, it lurks as a risk. I think Ukraine still is a real issue you know these these gas prices oil prices could still could still go much higher i saw that the russians are now saying you have to pay for uh, europeans must now pay for their gas in in rubles which it's not going to go down that well it's quite a canny move on their part but it's not going to go down that well and it could help pushing up the gas prices so in the short term the ukraine issue is clearly the biggest worry that they don't come to some sort of ceasefire negotiated settlement soon. In the long term, I'm talking about sort of on a six to 24-month horizon, we are coming to the end of this economic upcycle. By then, we will be coming to the end of it. The Federal Reserve in the U.S. started putting up interest rates much, much later than they normally do. And people are a little bit confused because they think that you know, normally you've got a, a good year before you even have to worry about the markets, the economy slowing down. But but they started so late, they're going to have to play catch up a bit. And so to cut a long story short, a growth pause, a soft spot in global growth within the next 12 months, if that really happens, then equities fall 30%. And, and, and that's the biggest uh, sort of worry that I'm going to be watching like a hawk. Yes, and I think you must be on your toes again because it could happen literally overnight. The final thing I want to ask you, Chris, is is South Africa a safe haven suddenly? An yeah, emerging market safe that? haven? Can who you, would have thought? You know, is they, it they have a nice phrase, the tallest dwarf. You know, yes. So, short answer is yes. For once, we're not shooting ourselves in the foot in this country. And everywhere you look it, in the emerging market world, it looks worse. A lot of the our sort of peer group don't have a sort of commodity mix as advantageous as we have right now. A lot of them have a sort of higher imported food component, which is really, you know, witness Egypt, for example, which is going to cause social anxiety and uplift upheavals there. So, yes, it is a bit of a port in a storm at the moment. It would be good if we could use this opportunity to have more of the sort of structural reforms, which we've, we've spoken about a long, uh, long time. But right now, it looks there are worse places in the world to be than the, the southern tip of Africa. Chris, thank you so much for your time, your analysis. That's Chris Freund, who's Portfolio Manager and Co-Head of SA Equity and Multi-Asset at 91 in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.